Welcome back to Rules the Arena podcast. This is episode 69. I apologize for being gone the last couple of weeks. It's just been a wild and busy summer, but I'm back this week. And joining me over Zoom from North Carolina is Ashton Ferrazzo. I apologize if I screwed up your last name, Ashton. He is the owner of Freedom Fitness Equipment and the host of the Freedom Cast podcast. And also joining us this week was Justin. He made his annual appearance, so he hit the quota under the contract. But uh, we covered a lot on this one. Uh, talking about business you know running a podcast balancing life out and we talked about this tips that we've gotten from other people in the social media industry covered powerlifting strongman and just about everything else in between so hope you enjoy good time oh oh i was like your recording notification popped up and scared the hell out of me <laughs> it only does it's that official. on mac for some reason i don't know why Oh, well, yeah, because why else do we care about security? <laughs> Don't say anything Big Brother would hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm on enough lists already. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if you want to get paranoid, listen to a podcast with Ed- Edward Snowden, and then just kind of sit there and stare at your phone for a minute and wonder, do I really need this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've gotten um, a bunch of comments recently that say I look exactly like the guy. <laughs> I like it, too. Which is really funny, especially when I shave, because uh, I hate, uh, ever since I started the fitness business, um, have a long hair is like gets in the way um i just need a fast and efficient and this works <laughs> i'm gonna throw that in the title that'll be the title wish.com edward snowden <laughs> it's, it's been that and uh mark zuckerberg uh discount mark zuckerberg <laughs> when you got to go to walmart instead of target yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but uh i suppose let's get started here ashton yeah. welcome Thank you. Appreciate you. And I, I don't suppose you'd mind just kind of introducing yourself to folks yeah. that don't know you or Freedom Fitness Equipment. Absolutely. So my name is Ashton Ferrazzo. Um, I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I am the owner of Freedom Fitness Equipment and host of the Freedom Cast podcast. And how that got started is a really long story, but uh, the short of it is that I got into fitness and fitness equipment um, the long way around after about eight years in the nine to five grind and working in financial services. I won't name the company because I think I've got about half a dozen NDAs with them. But um, yeah, I came out of that absolutely hating my life. Um, that wasn't the case when I first joined, but uh, slowly transitioned into like started in IT, went to the business side, realized it was all terrible. And when the pandemic hit, started selling fitness equipment out by backyard that blossomed into something that I'll call an empire, but it is not really an empire yet. Um, but I hope to be one day and, uh, thus freedom fitness equipment. And, um, so now we serve the greater Charlotte Metro and we've got distribution nationally, which is great because we got freaked all over the world. So, and I, I listened to a few of your episodes of your show. And on the first one, you talked about, if you don't mind retelling the story, because it sounded like you fought tooth and nail to get the wrong position in the company. Yes. Yes. No, that, that is a great way of describing it. So um, I was on, are either, do, are either of you guys in IT or familiar with IT? And I said churn ones, but. No, I, I, I I'm, sell paint and paint accessories. I, I become Hank Hill. <laughs> I, uh, I, I work and run restaurants, but I, uh, being a photographer for a lot of years, I'm fairly tech savvy, um, okay. but nowhere near like IT level. Uh, so I had a business background, so I wasn't, uh, you, you might say I wasn't exact, I was more on the business side of it, but we, 
we're always running into the team that I was, put, I was first put into a rotational program within IT. I loved that. I was doing um, content management and I was actually developing pieces of the website um, for our organization that you could actually see on the public web, which is cool. Cause like I'd push out a page, Hey, there it is. Um, that kind of withered and died on the vine when I transitioned into this other team, which I, I did enjoy for a while, but it was client facing. And if you know anything about client facing or customer facing roles, so customer service of any type, um, you are constantly, and I do mean constantly being screamed at, and it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it. IT is always the problem. Um, and, and, and for good and bad reasons, right? I mean, you've got sometimes the, the infrastructure is bad and that's because IT built it the wrong way or developed it the wrong way. But sometimes it's, it's, it's a business requirement that came down that was absolute garbage. So I thought that I could change things um, being on the IT side because I could take the, the business knowledge that I had from my schooling background and the IT tech savvy and bridge the gap while talking to clients about what the issues were. And we solved quite a few problems for clients where our infrastructure and our platform wasn't great and we patched it up. <clears throat> but that was the problem is we patched it up. We put Band-Aids and glue <laughs> on something that should have been like, you know, ironclad basically. So you're building a bridge with toothpicks and you really should be building it with steel beams. Um, so I eventually decided, oh, hey, I want to be in product management. Product management for me was like, oh, this big strategic role that I can be on in the business and actually impact something because I thought, ooh, strategy. Well, sure enough, I go over to the business and sure as heck, nothing changes. Um, because what I realized is they have the same problems over there that they did in IT. They still don't like IT. And all of the same issues that we had developing as the business now are still issues. Like that doesn't, you know, your infrastructure is crap, your development process is crap. Like that's not going to change. And you have a uncanny ability to, to just not say no to the customer. When you can't say no to somebody, that's when you lose all credibility in my eyes. Like something physically cannot be done. Or if you do this thing, you are guaranteeing a series of problems in perpetuity. And so we would say, oh yeah, sign me up. And I was like, nah, I'm good. So they, um, they offered us a, uh, they offered us a package to uh, a severance package to, uh, there was multiple uh, rounds of the severance package um, to leave the organization. And they had, we had a deadline. So at the time, obviously I was very unhappy, but um, I was like, what would we do? And so I was talking to my wife and I go, you know, this fitness thing might, might work out. Right. Um, because I had bought and sold a Titan Fitness T3 power rack and had then bought some plates and then had bought more equipment and more equipment and sold it over and over and over again and almost doubled my money every single time. So I'm like, there might be something to this. So we go, she has been for years. She was always like, you need to change jobs. You need to do something else. I don't care what, like, I care what it is, but you need to get out of here. And her dad's an entrepreneur. So she already has the gene. And I was thinking, man, I, it would be awesome to start my own company. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, even before um, working in financial services, though. I think my grandpa kind of, probably kind of influenced some of that. Anyway, back to the story. So my wife is saying you should you should move. My grandpa in the back of my head is saying you should move. Um, and so, I, so we do a test run. So we do a test run for a few months. It was probably three or six months where we said, if we can flip enough to essentially replace our income or get close we'll jump ship. Sure enough, I think within three months, we had we had basically replaced the income. And 
Yes, it's a pandemic. Yes, that is an unusual circumstance. But if you know anything about fitness equipment, it's not that hard if you're smart about your purchase decision to do that. You've got to know what you're looking for, but you can make it happen. And especially if you can ship nationally and get wider distribution than just like, say, the local Charlotte area, you can do very well. So that was the trick. We figured that out. I figured out freight. Um and we just, we took the package of brand and I really, I mean, I've, I say, I haven't looked back. I mean, there've probably been a couple of instances where I'm like, Hey, that salary would have been nice. The benefits would have been nice. But right now, um, I, I love the control. I love doing everything on the business side from a marketing creativity standpoint that I was never allowed to do before. Um, and I'm responsible for the business win or lose. So that's scary, but it's also <laughs> awesome. So anyway, that's the long version. <laughs> did you have a, like a, the backup plan? You know, did you have a company that, Oh, maybe I want to go work for a, B or C if this fails, or did you just burn the ships and keep moving forward? That's a really interesting question. So <clears throat> I've been applying for many, many months to different organizations and I think looking back, I, I, I now realize be, I wasn't actually passionate about the role I was in. So I was failing those interviews like all over the place. I was also in a position that wasn't truly product management. It was, it was something else, but it wasn't product management. Um, it was a piece of it. So our, the resume doesn't really reflect that, but I wasn't really passionate about it in the end is what I realized. So, um, the backup plan going into this was, oh, if this falls flat on its face, I can always go back into financial services. The backup plan now is, oh, if this falls flat on its face, I've got a hundred different connections within fitness. I'm going to fitness and I'm not, I'm, I'm there for the rest of my life. I am not going back. I'll become a trainer. I'll work at a gym. I'll own a gym. I will not go back to financial services ever. And that switch happened after I had started the podcast, started talking to other business owners, really getting some, some of a reputation. Um, and that plan B has kind of developed over time, but I really, I really keep that pretty far away in my head because, um, my position on that is if, if, is if you have a lock solid plan B, you're probably not going to do very well with your plan A. Cause that's always going to be in the back of your mind. Oh, I could jump ship and it'd be fine. So I've tried to keep that as far away from my mind as possible and just focused on the business and how we're doing there. So, and you mentioned your wife kind of helped you push that, push you over into this side of it, or at least into a different field. Did she have any reservations about you starting a business or starting going into the, you know, the fitness equipment in particular? Yeah, you know, um, not really. So I had been lifting for a long time. I started out in CrossFit, moved into weightlifting, did five by fives, and then just recently more powerlifting. But, and she's always been into being active and fitness and exercise in general. So it was a pretty natural fit. I was lifting with a buddy of mine one time and I was like, you know, if I were to do something within this space, what do you think would be, or if, I don't know, if you, if I were to do something from an entrepreneurial standpoint, what do you think? And he, he named off like fitness equipment right off the bat. So, um, between, you know, just some of the folks that I bounce this off and her, it really wasn't that, uh, that scary. She didn't really have any reservations. And the funny thing was even today, 
she is way more confident in the business than I am. I am always skeptical um, about the like day to day success of the business. Like I'll have a bad sales day and I'll be depressed and she'll be like, ah, it's fine. And I'll be like, but I didn't make any money. And she'll be like, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so she's been hugely encouraging in that regard. And especially starting out, that was, that was, that was big. I remember I told, I think I told this in the episode um, that I was sitting there. I was doing my first big extraction from a warehouse. There's another story to that, by the way. Um, and we are taking out probably 3000 square feet of fitness equipment stacked to the ceiling. Uh, and I am having an internal panic attack and I am thinking, I can't do this. There's no, there's no effing way. I'm not capable. This is way too much. I'm not, it, it's not gonna be able to fit in the warehouse. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh. Why life is falling apart. And then I got home, you know, that night and I'm talking to her about it and she's like, well, you know, um, everything's gonna be fine. And, uh, well, you made it. And, um, like, I think this is awesome. Like you're so much happier, even with this, this breakdown, like you're so much happier. You're just a different person and you love doing this. Why? I mean, why would you do anything else? So, um, we prayed about it and, um, just talked about it a lot. And like, I didn't, I haven't really felt that way again, honestly, because she's been there and I'm firmly convinced without my wife, uh, there's no way in heck I would have been successful. I mean, this is just, it's, it's a no go from the beginning. If, if she had said, no, you need to keep your corporate job. I would still be working in finance because, um, she knows me better than I know myself. And, uh, Honestly, if if that had been her her opinion, that probably would have been the way to go, and I wouldn't be saying what I'm saying now just because, um, you know, all the all the frustration I had. Maybe it could have been resolved with a different company, but she didn't. She she knew she knew me, and she knew where I wanted to go, and she was like, "Yeah, no, this all checks out," and I'm with you 100 percent of the way. So that's been just a huge blessing, and um, I married I married an awesome wife and an and into an awesome family the fact that her dad's an entrepreneur too really i think plays a huge role in that gotta go to him and we'll get a little mentorship there yeah exactly exactly yeah he's a and he's he's always doing something he's running um some uh trade magazine marketing company and also doing like uh two other side businesses that are making over six figures. I mean, it's, cra it's crazy. Like the guy is, the guy is the uh, stereotypical entrepreneur, but wildly successful. So why get into the equipment side of the industry? I, I mean, it seems like now that everybody that has a couple thousand followers now has their own t-shirt line. Uh, <laughs> much there or, you know, and which is how I originally got started. This was, this originally was not supposed to be a podcast and then oh. it came couple of years down the road after nice. some mixed results with the, with the t-shirt line. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and I looked at, you know, I tried to buy some plates and stuff for myself because I wanted to get my own little home set up, mm -hmm. but the cost, it seems like the overhead is much higher than, you know, t-shirts. That's why I went with t-shirt route initially. Yep. So I actually did some of the same thing. So when we were first starting out, I made probably the worst decision of my life and decided, oh, to kind of get the word out there and maybe do some, maybe do some giveaways, but also generate a little bit of revenue. Hey, let's print some t-shirts. So I had our freedom fitness equipment logo. I had it's this, by the way, these are still in our store. So a great t-shirt with our white logo, 
Uh, I've got one with kind of a half skeleton, half full eagle that says freedom, never say die. And then I have one with a skeleton head, big old mustache says death curls. I sold that many for three months. I sold that many. Um, and I realized the apparel industry is it's in like, you can get into it in fitness. If you aren't already big, Oh my gosh, you have to grind. And I'm talking grind. It's, it's not the kind of grind people think it's, if you're not a fitness influencer and have millions of followers already, or have won the Olympia, like uh, Daniel and Bailey, or, um, or just breaking multiple records and happen to have merch out after a while, um, getting started is unbelievably difficult. That market is so, so saturated. So one of the things I was looking for when I started the business was, is this a good opportunity to begin with? Like, is fitness equipment even worth it? So I'd done my research initially with um, guys like I sell fitness um, in New Jersey. Uh, I actually called Rob, who's the owner up there, and asked him about like a, the he did an AMA on Reddit. And I asked him about what the trucks that he was using back in the day because um, I was interested in starting that. And I also looked at there's a used gym store in Hickory here, Carolina Fitness Equipment. Um, and there's one other gentleman I think I was modeling my business off of to start. And I said, if these guys can be successful, I can be successful because they all started in the same way. They started selling fitness equipment. They started small. Um, and then they just they grew and they exploded. Um, just as an example, the used gym store in Hickory. Now, I didn't know this when I first started, but I, I found out eventually it was further confirmation this works. Um, they started their business in 08 during the recession. They got fired. And I didn't, I didn't, I, I thought for sure nobody would be buying anything during a recession, but everybody was buying used equipment because nobody could afford the new stuff. So they took off. They started with a thousand square feet and now they have a 50,000 square foot warehouse. I'm just getting started as well. Um, and the coronavirus obviously gave us a jump start. But I was, again, when we were first starting out, I was looking for other proof points other than just, oh my gosh, the fitness equipment business is exploding. Let's exploit that. And then this might fall off a, a cliff. I wanted longevity. I wanted repeat customers. And so um, so we priced accordingly. We had really good customer service up front. And I made sure that what I was doing was repeatable. So the things and the deals I was going after over time, I started developing different processes to go after bigger and bigger loads. So eventually I just nixed the one-offs. So if some guy in his garage was selling some plates in a bar, I would let the, I would let anybody else go after that. I wouldn't, I would go after big auctions, liquidations, things I can fit in my warehouse that come in bulk. And it might be you know, it might be only three or four pieces, but they're bigger pieces and they sell for more money. And then the the smaller stuff, I'm starting to get a network of suppliers and distributors that I can get uh, get new plates from and always have that base. And then if I happen to come across, you know, used plates or used bars, that's a bonus, but I'm not expecting it on a regular basis unless it's part of a bigger lot. So that's how I thought through this process is what other businesses are here that I can look to for success? Have they been successful long-term? How can I model my business after that? And then how can I um, create an atmosphere and a, and a, uh, a business model that is sustainable and people want to come back to? So we're leaning pretty heavily on, and we're going to be leaning even more heavily on like the USA made 
freedom kind of mantra. Um, we want to come out with our own line of, of fitness equipment made in the U.S. Um, and then at some point, I really want to, we've had so many vets and first responders come into our store. I want to have something special, a line of equipment, a discount, something a program for them, for veterans and for first responders. I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but um, anyway, that's probably too much information, but that, that's how we got started. But with the, well, speaking of being made in America, that's a, one of the first videos I saw of you on TikTok was mm-hmm. calling out one of the giants in the industry <laughs> and not bashfully. So for that matter, uh, uh, well, I get well, rogue, you know, mm-hmm. they can sue me if they want. Uh, <laughs> what are they going to take? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have t-shirts. That's what they're, they're going to definitely come after that line. <laughs> what are they going to come poach me? <laughs> We're checking this man. Yeah. He lists me in his, he lists me in his assets. Don't ask why. <laughs> oh man. But yeah. So you, and you're talking about how they're at least their Olympic plates by the sounds of it aren't mm-hmm. yep. made in the USA, but that was the big thing that they, I remember they always yeah. talked about in the very beginning, at least was yeah. uh, made in Ohio and, and shit like that. And Oh yeah. Yeah. If you don't look at the fine print, you'll miss it. Um, Cause they really promote their bars and I don't even know if they're, I think their racks are made in the U S I'd have to double check again. I'm not sure if all of them are, but at least most of them are, I believe. Um, but yeah, when I was looking through their plates, I'm like, wait a second. Not made in the U.S., not made in the U.S., not made in the U.S. Oh, your machine plates aren't made in the U.S. So the only people that you can compare me to at this point are the Strength Co. Um, and the Strength Co. is based out of, gosh, uh, I don't want to say California. I don't think they're they're out. I think they're out west somewhere. Anyway, they're truly made in the U.S. And they are actually machined like here in the States. Um, Rogue, I mean, they're nice plates, but... I don't know about their quality control. I don't know about, you know, any of that stuff. And at least I can, you know, if something goes wrong with my plate, I can go back to the manufacturer and be like, look, dude, you did this wrong. Um, You need to make it right for the customer Uh, with China. It's like, Oh, we'll just send you thousands of more plates and they might all be wrong again. (laughs) And it's like, so, you know, I feel like it's, it's not false advertising. I'm not trying to call them out for that. I just, I was, I was, I was doing the wrong comparison and people were like, Oh, you know, rogues cheaper. First of all, that's wrong. Um, second of all, I beat them not only in price, but also shipping rates, which I was shocked at. And, and third of all, you're not comparing apples to apples. A plate that's made in the U S is not the same as a plate made in the, in China. And I, I only know this because of a couple of videos that I've seen that talk about the difference between like good iron and pot iron, which is like a really um, it's a more fragile type of iron or iron ore that they use. I've really got, I need to do more research on this. All I know is that even down to like the cardboard, when you import stuff, there's a marked difference in quality, even on the packaging and I don't know what it is. We walked into a pier one, one time. And the lady was like, whenever there's a Chinese shipment, I stay away from the cardboard. Cause it, I literally like break out in a rash when I touch the cardboard box, it's that bad. So, um, people can say all they want. Oh, maybe the U S is more expensive. You know, I, I, and I get that, like it is more expensive, but you're paying for a certain type of quality. And if you value that by that, 
also, if you value price, buy from me. But like, if you value, you know, if you value quality, buy, um, you know, buy this kind of American-made stuff. And Rogue's great. Like, they're Ohio Power Bar, made in the United States. Great stuff. But you'll notice that there's a difference between that and some generic fitness gear barbell that you buy at Dick's Sporting Goods. And I have had people compare barbells. Like, they want a $50 barbell. And I'm like, it's not the same thing. So anyway, um. Yeah, I, I I went straight after Rogue starting out because I thought I assumed incorrectly that they were all manufactured in the United States, and now I'm finding out they're probably made in the same factory as everybody freaking else. And uh, I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to educate people a little bit more on and change the perception on that because it's challenging. Right, and well, I can with the price. I imagine there's that little bit of the brand recognition, so you can yes. charge a little bit more. Or yes. a lot more, depending on who you are. And that's not just the fitness industry. That's everywhere. Yeah. And, and I mentioned that in the videos. And I have, I'm trying to build a brand myself. Um, and I have nothing against Rogue or Rep Fitness or Titan doing that. But there comes a point at which, a uh, great example of this is rubber-coated um, dumbbells. All rubber-coated dumbbells that have that little, like, oval shaped handle in the middle and it's chrome. They're all made in the same factory in China. There is no difference. You can stamp rogue on it all day. It doesn't make it a different dumbbell. <laughs> and yet they charge two and $3 a pound for a rubber coated dumbbell. That is the same as, I mean, you can, uh, this is a hard pill to swallow, but you can buy the same dumbbell at Walmart that you can buy on rogue. And that pisses people off. Sorry. <laughs> so but I, you met, and you also mentioned you know you started off right around covid starting up I mean, mm -hmm. how did you fare during all that i mean did you see an increase in the market sales with you know so many commercial gyms being forced to close their doors down for months on end you know, yeah. i mean i've seen being in my industry I've seen a huge boom in the diy customers that watch hgtv all weekend then on monday wake up and decide hey we're going to remodel the bathroom this week I imagine, and I know bike sales, you know, pedal bikes have been through the roof over the last year and still yeah. to, you know, last time I looked probably a couple of weeks ago, they're still having a shortage on bikes. Is it the same way for you? Oh yeah. So um, just to give you a sense of how much the market has changed, uh, Hammer Strength and Life Fitness and all those companies came out with their own home gym equipment lines for the first time in forever. So they did not make residential lines at all. And now they are breaking into the home gym space like you wouldn't believe. They're way behind because Rep Fitness, Titan, Rogue, all those guys have years of experience on them, but they're making a push and they've got the brand recognition to, and the clout to do it. And the reason they were able to do that is because the explosion of home gym and garage gym users during COVID has stayed and has staying power because who the heck wants to drive back and forth from the gym and, uh, you know, small example, uh, you're driving two to three hours to commute in New York. Do you really want to drive back and forth an hour to the gym again on top of that, like three or four times per week? No, thanks. I'll build a home gym. So, um, a great example of this is I think California still has a number of restrictions. I've got probably 50% or more of my customers, or at least people looking at our page in California and, um, like traffic's nuts over there. So I'm sure that's a huge contributing factor. But when we were first starting out, it was anything and everything you could grab your, put your hands on would sell. 
it didn't matter if it was rusted, broken, or almost unusable, it would sell. Um, you could, you could almost put a hole through a cast iron plate. It, sorry, you could put a, you could put a hole through concrete and people are doing this and you could sell it as a, as a, as a weight. Um, so it's crazy. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, I, I, I did the same thing. Like I had some rusty plates and people were so desperate that, you know, they were like, I'll buy them, you know, and it, it, it didn't matter how many or what kind of conditions. So I tried to clean them up and, and, you know, make them look nice. But, um, sometimes I'm just like, you know, if people are just going to buy them anyway, <laughs> let them buy them. I mean, people need this stuff. So whatever. Um, and then there were, there were, uh, that definitely cooled down, but that was hot for uh, eight to 12 months um, was probably the time frame. And stuff sold so fast. You could not get it in stock. I was, I couldn't, I couldn't find inventory. It got that bad. So, and they were gyms closing, but I wasn't able to get my hands on that stuff because when we first started, I had, it was our sunroom and I can't, I, you know, if life fitness shuts down, I can't store life fitness as equipment in my sunroom. <laughs> Unfortunately, I also can't run out enough public storage to store that much stuff. So we ended up building an on-site shed that was 400 and something square feet. That wasn't big enough. We expanded to a two car carport. That wasn't big enough. We got a, we got a, um, a pod and that wasn't enough. So we ended up getting this and leasing this warehouse that we have today in Charlotte, but that was because we were turning so much inventory that uh, we we just couldn't keep up. And the stuff that turned a little bit slower, especially at the time, it, it really wasn't that slow. Like a month would maybe would have been slow. And that wasn't really and now stuff might sit for a couple of months, if, especially if it's bigger stuff. And that's not abnormal. Um, but, yeah, it, it the the amount of people looking for uh, the big things that changed. So. Uh, home gyms were were doing all right before that, but when COVID happened, the uh, you'll notice uh, wall mounted racks were huge. Um, any and all plates and bars always sell really well for us and sold really well during the pandemic. Um, adjustable benches, rowers. If you to this day, if you can get your hands on a Concept Two rower, I mean there are instances if it's in good enough shape, you can sell it for well over a thousand dollars. So those like two or three main things for home gyms um, saw significant increases in demand. Um, and so we rode that wave up until the summer um, where things kind of started to slow down. And every every fitness equipment dealer has those cycles, right? So quarter four, quarter one, with the holidays and people getting back into the gym is when everything ramps back up. And then you have a dead spot in the summer because everybody either has their beach body or they don't have their beach body and they don't care. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we definitely rode the wave, but, uh, it was really cool because I love, I had been wanting a home gym for a while. So it gave us a convenient excuse to start one. And then we started serving people who were in the home gym and garage gym community and through the podcast and a bunch of other ways, just through the website and um, selling stuff, we've been able to make a bunch of different connections. I actually interviewed um, Joe from Gray Matter Lifting, who hosts the Garage Gym Competition, which is a worldwide powerlifting competition. And uh, through him, um, I've been connected to uh, and, and understood more about like 
the garage and review space and, and all those guys that are kind of running things behind the scenes now that really blew up during that time. But I noticed a huge explosion within garage gym review sites, garage gym lab, garage gym reviews, basement, Brandon, um, people like Alan thrall, their viewership took off. So, um, I love that. I love all their content. And so I was just like funneling as many people as I could to those people. Cause I was like, if you're in a home gyms, look at this person. If you're, if you need a tip about this guy, go to this website. And I still do to this day. So anyway, the amount of, yeah. So we rode the wave, really good connections through that. And, um, just more plugged into the home gym community as a result. It's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, people you've talked to, uh, I saw, was it this week, last week you talked to, is it Frank from lift evil? Yes. (laughs) You know, when we, when we get off air, I'm going to have to ask you how you got in there because well, Justin has been following lift evil for how long? Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know how long he's been around, but I've been, I've been repping Frank's gear for quite a while Um, (laughs) down, down to the point where like, and this is, this speaks multitudes about the man and I'll leave it at that Mm because what he does and his personality that I can tell is he's a good dude. Um, I ordered stuff during the first like big shutdown here in the Midwest for everything. Um, I forget how big the order was, but it something happened in transit and it shows delivered. And I'm like, Oh, cool. I live in Minnesota. It delivered to Illinois. Ooh. So my package was left on somebody's front porch in Illinois, and I finally got a hold of him and was like, uh, hey, yo, uh, I didn't get my stuff. Any idea what's going on? And he was just like, let me look into it. Give me the order number and all that. Uh, dude immediately refunded everything and was like, yeah, I don't have any of those things in stock anymore. We sold out. And I was like, oh, so I just put that money away. And the next drop he did, I would turn around and bought more shit. Um <laughs> And yeah, no, um, absolutely love the stuff he does, but hearing, uh, I think I actually sent him an email about being on ROA as well. And it's just funny that now this weird little oh, yeah. connection, <laughs> you know, it's interesting about podcast guests, right? I think one of the questions you had for me, Gordon was like, how, how do you get these people on? So, um, yeah, because I think I'm sitting unread in about a thousand different inboxes yeah. on Facebook yeah. and Instagram, but they, along with all the other trash that they get. <laughs> yep. And I think that's part of it. So I take a shoot your shot strategy, which is the worst they can say is no. And I've gotten, I've gotten non-responses. I've gotten so many non-responses or, oh yeah, I'll follow up. And then I follow up and, and nothing happens. But with certain people, particularly now I can't do this as much as I want to, because I'm so busy. If there's certain people that I really, really enjoy, I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll start following them and then they'll, I I may, I may or may not be noticed in the comment section at some point. And then I'll message them or I'll make a comment and be like, yo, you need to come on my podcast. I love the, I love your content. I'd be like, oh yeah, email me. And I might get them that way, but that's very infrequent. Most of the time I'm literally just emailing or, um, calling or uh messaging them through instagram and saying hey do you want to come on and frank was that way i'm trying to remember exactly how i think i well i've been following frank for a while so i commented on i think i've commented on a couple of his stuff because i love freaking love his designs i think they're the guy is is truly original and he he doesn't we talked a little bit about this like the guy doesn't copycat anything um 
So I, I've, I've been wanting to buy his stuff and I'm just, I'm cheap. <laughs> and I know that sounds awful, but like, um, I, I, you know, I have, I just, I, I need to support the guy more than I do. Um, but anyway, I got him on the podcast by literally just messaging him because I think I commented on a few of his things or replied to a few of his stories. And, um, for whatever reason, he's like, Oh yeah, no, cool. Uh, anytime, just let me know. Um, and he battled through diverticulitis, uh, which is some gut issue. Uh, so we had a, a little hiccup there, but we eventually got him on. But yeah, that guy is badass. Um, and he doesn't pull any punches and uh, he is going to speak his mind. And I absolutely love that because there's a lot of these guys that are going to keep their little guarded opinions. And he's got a couple of people he really respects that I, I def I also want to interview. But um, like if you can find those tight communities, particularly with the artist space, they usually make really good stuff. So um, yeah, but uh, podcast guests in general are, are an interesting breed because if you're not big enough, I say big enough, or if you haven't got enough notice from them, sometimes they won't, they won't even give you the, the time of day. And that's, that's really difficult for me because my, what I want to do is be like, screw you. I will never talk to you again. And I really have to restrain myself because I've got this, I've got this passive aggressive streak in me that I've got to tamp down every time I, I see it coming back up. That where, Canadian in you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm being called out over here. Dude, I'm Canadian. I kid you not. Um, so yeah, the, um, uh, but yeah, the, the, I, every, every time that happens to me. So I, like I want, I want to, I want to blow up and I want to get to a million followers and then be like, ah, you didn't want me this time. Well, I don't want you this time either. Um, but I, that's, I, I don't hold it against anybody because at that level, you don't, especially starting out, you don't really know if they're serious or not. I'm only 20 something episodes in. So at that point, unless you're a hundred, 200, or even a thousand, like some guy I just interviewed, uh, episodes in, um, they're not going to give you any kind of respect and that, and that's okay. I get it. Um, other times like you'll really get surprised. So I had messaged, uh, Adam over garage gym lab about something way back in the day. And then I messaged him again about coming on the podcast and he said, yes. And that was, I was so nervous. I, you have no idea. Like I screwed up that interview several times and you can see it live. Cause I don't cut anything, but, um, yeah, he, some people, it doesn't matter how big they are. They're just willing to talk to you. That was, that was the, that was the thing with like, uh, when I went to FitCon in Texas, I was trying to get with a bunch of different, really high profile people, Brian Dobson, uh, Gabby Borgles or America's strongest woman. Um, and a couple other like big fitness icons. Gabby was super sweet. Um, Brian was so down to earth, like, I feel like anybody could have walked in and just interviewed him and he's trained, he's trained uh, branch Warren and, and Ronnie Coleman. I mean, how much bigger do you get than that? <laughs> so um, some of these guys really surprised me, but then, you know, but then you've got the guy, the people that it's, they're not stuck up. It's just, they're so focused on their business that if it's not driving additional revenue and marketing for them, I wouldn't come on to be perfectly frank. Cause it's a waste of my time. It's an hour or two hours where I'm not continuing to increase my brand and my following. So I get it from their standpoint, you can't be on every podcast. I'm sure, I'm sure they have thousands of DMS like, Oh, you should come on here. So they probably got to pick and choose. 
Yeah. Well, it's the same thing we found in music. Yeah. So I, I do a fair amount of concert photography. And as a result, Gordon's gotten to kind of <laughs> fangirl a little bit a few times because nice. I'm like, I'm up next to a stage photographing these people and he's in the back just pie eyed. What the hell? <laughs> um, but that's the same thing, you know, like you said, shoot, shoot your shot is the mentality for it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, the worst they're going to say is no, but that's the same thing, you know, bands that I grew up listening to that I couldn't believe I had the chance to finally photograph and even just say hi to. And they are the nicest people and will talk to anyone because they appreciate what you're doing and that you appreciate them. But then there's also the people that are, it's less brand driven in that sense. Like I get a point where it's a business owner or like someone who's promoting it in that way. There's about a 50, 50 split between musicians where it's like, Oh, you're down to talk to everyone or you're just an asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, Oh, why should I talk to you? Cause I just photographed your entire set and you look cool. Do you want them? <laughs> I'm selling them. You can have them for free. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. That, and I have yet to, I, in the fitness space, particularly in powerlifting and strongman, I have yet to come up against somebody who is a jackass but I know they're out there. Um, normally everybody I talk to is super down to earth. Um, and I'm trying to keep it that way. I'm trying to keep it. No BS. Um, I'm not going to have, Oh dear Lord. Uh, I, I refuse to have these stereotypical fitness influencers on the podcast. If I see your content and I kind of like the, where you're going, I'll look a little deeper and see if you're worth, you know, having on and you might be small, but as long as you're not spewing it and trying to get, you know, clicks just for garbage um you're welcome um if you're if you look if if you're shredded and or have a butt yeah (laughs) and you're loaded with plastic surgery and you're on all sorts of steroids and you're not talking about and you're claiming you're 100 natural and you have all these tips about air squatting so you can get you know a massive behind you're not coming on the podcast sorry Four tricks to burn stubborn belly fat. <laughs> Screw Three superfoods to lose weight overnight. Oh my gosh. And I, you know, and I know some of those guys are really trying and that is the only way that they think they can make followers. And I'm like, you have the instance, uh, a couple of major accounts who know what they're talking about, start calling you out. Yeah. You're going to get the attention, but eventually, eventually, I listen a lot to Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm all about the long-term play. If you do not establish a culture and a brand that is honest and transparent, you will die on the vine. And, and that's the way those accounts are going to go because they're a dime a dozen. Right. I'm not huge into following the, the bodybuilding world, but there's a few big names out there that, is, that I followed on watch your YouTube videos and stuff like that. But uh, Rich, I'm going to butcher his last Rich name. Piana? Yes, Piana. Ha <laughs> ha. I, I respected the hell out of him. I, he came across as this your typical California douchebag, but <laughs> I respected the hell out of him because he was completely honest and saying, I'm taking this many milligrams or grams rather of this and this mm-hmm. and this. And I use this on, on show day. And mm-hmm. it's like, why can't more in the industry be like that? Like everybody, you look at um, Phil Heath or Kai Green. Yep or in Ronnie Coleman and his prime, it's like, you're obviously on something. So why are you trying to hide it? Like, you're oh. not, <laughs> you're certainly not a natural vegan diet. I can see that. <laughs> oh, can I talk about Kai green for a minute? Sure. Oh. Do it. I mean, I'm afraid he'll eat me, but do it. <laughs> Dude, <clears throat> that guy. So 
I went up and I did a, uh, there was a clip on, it may still be in my reels where I asked him, what is your favorite piece of fitness equipment? Cause I'm in the fitness equipment business. It's a stereotypical question. I was truly curious. Like if you have a home gym and he said, Oh, you're talking about like high end or, or budget. And I go, Oh, give me one of both. I kid you not. You know what his response was? I have a feeling I know, but do it anyway. <sighs> this, this is your favorite piece of fitness equipment. The mindset. I wanted to throw oh, my not where I thought that was going. <laughs> wanted to throw my phone. At, what, what did you think he was going to say? What's your favorite piece of fitness equipment? Syringes. <laughs> that too. Friend, what do you got? <laughs> yeah. So, so if you watch any of his content, it's all like that. And it infuriates me because the guy is saying so much with so little. And it makes me not want to, if I had the opportunity to interview the guy, I don't think I would because he's not saying anything. He was on stage and he, he said to the crowd, I have been accused of saying of, of, you know, not saying a whole lot or, or, you know, saying a lot without, without saying a whole lot. And, and then he goes on a rant about, um, the mentality that you have to have and how it's the drive within you. And he was being asked a question about nutrition. And I'm like, are you high? Probably. Um, well, that's, that's so much with anything you'll find now. I mean, God, I forget who is it. Um, it's, it's still your motherfucking set. Who is, I can't think of his name right. Off the top uh, of oh, Fuck. Uh, C.P. Yes. Fletcher. Yes, C. yes. Fletcher. like I, I can appreciate things like that in a sense, but at the end of the day, the people that are out preaching, it's all mentality. It's, it's you know, it's discipline over motivation. Yeah, to a point. But that means that you've literally never struggled with anything mentally in your life and you, right. you've, this, you've dedicated to this. Like myself personally, and not, I mean, not to say that I'm out here grinding and, you know, putting on doing what they're doing. I run 60 hour work weeks. I run a bar. Um, I have employees. I have product. I have over a thousand bottles on my walls. Like, no, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not all mindset. You have to back off, but you can't just grind. Like the idea of that grind hustle mentality, it's all in your head. You can do whatever you believe. Like no. you eventually have to take care of yourself because you will grind yourself into the ground. Yeah. Like respect the hustle. Well, I do, but you're also working harder, not smarter. Or yes. neither. Um, but it's it always kills me seeing that kind of stuff because I see it in every every industry, every culture, everything like that is always that. It's all about your mindset. Is it? Because I have ADHD and anxiety. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, really- it's a superpower in some settings, but not today. <laughs> I I am fully convinced that business is a lazy man's game. And here's the reason I say that. Um if you are all about doing the least amount of work for the most return possible, you will be extremely successful. This goes for digital as well as physical products. So I've learned that to outsource, for example, getting equipment to my location will save you time, money, effort, and you will allow you to dedicate the opportunity cost, which is the resources you could have been using while you were driving a truck six hours to something more useful. Um, that's a that for some people is lazy. It's not hustling, but I just allocated my resources way more efficiently because I don't like sweating my butt off just hauling. I was doing that today. I was hauling, like sweating my buns off, 
trying to haul ass getting down to the end of my Language, warehouse. Young man. <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> yeah <right. laughs> Don't listen to him. <laughs> trying to get trying to get to the end of my warehouse and, and bring this stuff up a ramp and then unload a piece of equipment so it could go back down to South Carolina. It was hot, sweaty work. If I had a warehouse worker, I would automatically offload that to him and be doing a bunch of marketing in the meantime just to get more brand recognition. I can't do that yet, but I will. And with the equipment stuff, I'm going to bring stuff in all day. But that's, again, like, if you think like a lazy person, which this sounds really retarded, but if you if you think like a lazy person, you'll be you'll be more successful because what does a lazy person want to do? A lazy person wants to, wants to sit around and watch TV or be with their family or like have, have a bunch of fun and not really do any hard work. Well, if you think like an owner, you're technically thinking like a lazy person because you want to do what you want to do. Like eventually you want to completely outsource the business and sit on the couch and be able to do what you want, whether it is actually work inside the warehouse or go out and have ice cream. And that involves outsourcing stuff. So like, yeah, that hustle culture, man, it's a two-edged sword and you really do have to grind things out at the beginning. But if you don't become more efficient with your time and whether or not you want to call that laziness is we can debate that all day long. But uh, you, I just, I personally haven't seen people be, uh, you, if you, uh, here's the problem. So like listening to Gary Vaynerchuk has taught me two things. One, if you're the face of your brand, you always have to be on. There's 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 kind of a problem with that. So like you have if you're constantly putting out content, you're the face, like that's a lot of work. Um on the other hand, um, you know, there's there's different ways to put yourself out there without you actually physically being in front of a camera. Um, so anyway, all, all that to all that to say, um, there's, there's different ways of doing that and maximizing the efficiency, but um, the grind up front, yes. The grind in the back end, probably want to look at what your systems are and how they're working for you or not working for you. So I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I was just listening to another show and um, I can't remember the guest name now, but he was talking about when he hired his first full-time employee, he goes, that just freed up 40 hours of my week. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I can, Hey, cool. Now I have 40 free hours to go do fuck all. I, I have to now do 40 hours of something else to keep this moving or else I'm going to tank. And then now I am down employee and I'm back to square one again. And, and yeah. Well, to yeah, circle I, I back on that a little bit. Um, you mentioned Gary Vandenchuk and I, I've seen a little bit of his stuff. Um, and then I also, heavily follow being in the industry. I am um, Eric Castro, who runs a podcast called Bartender at Large. Um, um, very much meant for industry people. It's not like how to make the best mojito in your kitchen. <laughs> it's like, hey, how do you price the menu? Hey, how do you prevent burnout? Things oh, like cool. that. Um, it's really, really in-depth. Like, here's the global ambassadors for Jaeger. Like, let's talk about things. Like, whatever it may be. Like, it's a really cool show. Um, really good for those who are like career industry like myself. But there's there's two points that I come to and I look at Eric's first, which is talking about the idea, you know, like you said, if you're the owner, the face of something, it's always really funny to me when I hear these young kids be like, God, I'm going to open my bar and then you can scoop all the ice and I'm just going to do whatever. And it's like, you don't understand how business works at all. Yeah. Like the the top thing is, you know, you're you're finding that role you're, you're filling that in. And to tie that into what Gary says is something that resonated with me being a, well, working through leadership roles. Mm -hmm. 
you can never expect someone to give a fuck about what you do if you are an owner or a manager like invested in it yes. as much as you do. Oh it's God, really yes. un it's really unfair to think that of anyone because what makes you tick, like me, I am an absolute nerd about spirits and cocktail and bar culture and beer and wine. And I love to educate people. I love to give building blocks to those who are maybe not given that chance. Yeah. I'm kind of a goofy looking bastard. If someone hadn't taken a chance on me back in the day, because I'm covered in tattoos and have big damn holes in my ears and stuff like that. <laughs> like I probably wouldn't have advanced to the level I would, I wouldn't have found that home in it. And I love it. So my, I love to educate. I love to train. What Gary said that resonated with me was that Everyone has goals in their life. Me having a bartender on my staff does not mean that they care as much about that or even the bar itself as much as I do. They have something that makes them tick. And if you can empower them to like be able to move forward to do that, invest in them in that way, you will forever have someone who will be, I hate the word like loyal because it sounds like you're manipulating them, but it's someone who will be willing to help, willing to put in willing to do that bit extra because they know that you're invested in seeing them succeed and what makes them happy, what drives them. And it's the same thing with the idea of delegation. And like you were talking about, you know, what was it? Was it the, the you got your first full-time employee and now you got 40 hours a week that are free, but it's 40 hours of something different. Yep. I'm not a salary manager. I am behind these things. I am slinging drinks with my people because I love to do it and I love to be there yeah. with them. Mm -hmm. And I love to do that empowerment. I don't want to be a clipboard manager. I don't want to be the person that's like, well, sorry, so-and-so called out. So now you all get to work overtime. Like, no, hell yeah, I'll work the hours for you. Let's do it. But it's also because I find fulfillment in it. So there's such a different set between industries. And that's where the, not divisiveness, but it's such a different mindset. Because when you start to look at things versus, like you said, if someone comes in it in a look of like, most amount of money, least amount of work could be wildly successful because you figure out how to delegate. But then you start falling into where does passion projects start to fall into place where I will gladly grind 40, 50 hours a week because I love being behind that bar and just doing that job Yeah. versus necessarily, Hey, I need to market. I need to do this. It's just a different, it's just such a different thing. It's so weird to see the comparisons because uh, as Gordon knows, I've been grinding myself into the ground right now with staffing <laughs> issues and Oh, I'm, it's it's weird to go. Wow, there's things outside of restaurants. <laughs> like, oh, I I can't imagine the staffing issues right now with COVID. Holy crap! It's it's not so bad as you would think. And I will say this to everyone listening. <laughs> um, at least here, mm -hmm. Minnesota, Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, our unemployment rates are lower than they were pre-COVID for this industry. Oh, wow. At least to my knowledge, last time I saw the numbers, I have friends who work for the state. What happened is you look at an industry that is massive and it's got gaping holes in it because of just flaws from over the decades. And then you put something in place that brings uncertainty and lack of income and realistically not a lot of unemployment because if you're a tipped employee, especially, or in our industry, a lot of undocumented people being in back of house, mm -hmm. people got out. And I can imagine that's in a lot of different settings as well, but that's the whole thing. There's not a labor shortage. It's just, there's a labor shortage in this certain specter. Yeah. It's, you know, people are willing to work, but they also are, it's a buyer's market right now. Oh yeah. You, you want to talk about, let's talk about benefits. Let's talk about pay rates. Let's talk about hours, you know, 
there's a whole thing right now with like Facebook groups for industry and stuff like that. And I've seen it across everything from fitness to restaurants to, I mean, probably not so much like corporate America, but mm-hmm. it, it, Oh, Hey, we're hiring corporate America. Um, you going to post uh, the things on that or we're just going to drag you on the internet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, it's a dream. Sorry. Ram rambling about things. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Nope. But, I haven't but, slept uh, in like three weeks. Don't mind me. <laughs> but to go back to that, you know, you, these atypical, I hate the word influencers, but mm-hmm. uh, where they talk about keep grinding, it's like, yeah. well, yeah, no shit. But how about you give me something a little bit more empirical? But I've gotten that in corporate America. I've been working corporate jobs for too long. Um, and I've had companies that do that. They have the big hoo-ha get together, rented out the giant convention center. And they talk about just keep going out there and keep grinding. You'll get those sales. It's like, okay, great. Okay. So I put my feet to the pavement. I'm in front of a customer what do I say? Yeah. How do I talk about them? And it wasn't until the current company that I work for that they actually do that training and they talk about what to talk about, how to talk about and how to match communication styles with different people and shit like that. It's like, why can't other wider industries do this as well? Especially in the the social media realm in particular, you know, you get, of course on my Facebook feed, I get ads all the time about how to market your podcast. It's like, Oh shit. Shut up. <laughs> uh, I mean, adjectives and verbiage as far as speaking about anything and is a, a really big thing in corporation work. Um, I went through corporate sales training for like the men's warehouse when I worked for them for four months and then quit the week after because I felt just dirty. <laughs> Granted, Gordon knows this. I'm a talker to begin with. <laughs> I, not not a thing that I needed help with, but it was one of those things where, yeah, you can take something from it. But teaching people how to work a dialogue and, like you said, communication matching. Don't manipulate the conversation, but right. you know, empower your people. Whether you're an employer or a manager or even whatever it may be, but give them the ability to find common ground. Because breaking honesty in any conversation, you, it's immediately spotable and you've lost that trust. It's gone. Yeah. They will never, they will never purchase anything from you. They will never contact you. You know, it's like, this is true in my industry as well. So uh, it's particularly hard. It, it, it is sometimes difficult for me to do this, but other times very easy. Um, a lady came in the other day and was asking about a fold away rack and, or just compact storage options for a home gym. And I have a couple of squat stands and they're fine and dandy, but honestly, uh, I was at, they, they sounded like they were debating between a few other options. I was like, are you talking about PRX or cause there's also rogue and Titan and they have, you know, different fold away options depending on your ceiling height. So I started talking about other brands. We don't sell them. And you would think that that is totally, totally backwards yet. I have seen this play out in real life. So there's a gentleman who runs a septic company on TikTok, and he's got like 1.2 million followers. Yeah. I don't know how in the heck he's shoveling. Is that wells and septic? Yeah. Is that is that the guy that's always talking about like don't be rude to your people, or we just won't show up to your appointments, and you can just live in your shit or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Maybe Red, so. kind, of, kind of a kind of redheaded dude. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay, he also yeah. Okay. spent thousand or like five grand on plastic skeletons, and have maybe left them in various tanks just to wait. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I'm in the wrong industry. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so he was, he was talking about how he will literally tell a customer, I am not the cheapest. You should shop around. And they go, no, we're going with you. So 
I don't know. I, that just, to me, confirms that total transparency and honesty, recommending things that people will actually, like, if you have something there, obviously you can choose this, but also have you thought about this? Um, so is it will work in your favor because people will come to you as a resource, not as a salesperson. And there's a very important difference. You are a salesperson, but you are also trying to build a relationship with somebody that can't be broken. And so, so often I see it's just a straight sale. And that's why people come to, I feel like that's why some people come to us, some people come to us um, and, and why people come back. But I, that's the majority of the content I'm putting out on TikTok, Instagram. Like I'm trying to educate people about the best options and it doesn't have to be buying from me. And I've told, I have literally told people, do not buy this. And it's sitting in my warehouse. I have told people not to buy a military badge. I have told people not to buy a bench press that doesn't have safety spotters. And people will, I'll mark it down and I, I'll eventually sell it. But um, uh, people resonate with that. I had somebody ask me on a comment uh, to my, my videos, is this reverse psychology? I'm like, <laughs> I mean, sure, no. <laughs> Like, no, not not at all. I mean, no, it's, it's it's you're you're building trust within a I mean a group of people, and it's I'm so glad that I said it on this one because you guys being so much what you do very business sales oriented and how you drive things, yeah, versus service and stuff like that. Like it's such a unique thing to hear that in a side of <clears throat> excuse me, um, like sales and corporate, like not corporate America, but more in this line of like business sells product makes this much versus hi, here's, we provide this for you and we customize it for you and stuff like that. But like mm -hmm. you said, you going, Hey, don't buy that. You don't, don't, yeah. don't. Um, Cause at the end of the day, you're providing them what's best for them. Yeah. Not necessarily what's going to be the most expensive. I have told people to their face in, as they're walking through our warehouse, picking stuff out, do not buy this. This is not a good idea. You are overspending. Please do not get bumpers. Buy metal plates. Please do not get this nice, shiny, new, expensive bar. Buy a used bar. Please do not get this nice, shiny, new item over here. Buy this used item over here. Like, even just price differences or, like, hold off. You definitely don't need this. I had one. Oh, my gosh, dude. Oh, this made me angry. I had a lady walk in, and she told me she had gone into a store said she was going to spend a thousand dollars she walked out having spent eight thousand dollars on a pallet a pallet of equipment and anytime that you do that as an individual who is just trying to get the sale you will either have a a return or b if you don't have a return policy a very pissed off customer who has buyer's remorse all day long. Um, and if you want that kind of, you know, person walking in and out of your door, that's fine. There's thousands and millions of them to be had, but you will not, you will not have the reputation that you so desire and the, the, the reciprocity from a friendship relationship and, and customer standpoint that you're looking for. It's just, I, I, I firmly, firmly believe that. Let's, something gordon you've talked about too where even within the the world of uh you know paint um <laughs> you're talking you, you and i have talked obviously we've known to the for years but it's one of those things where you'll be like yeah you know it's 
trying to get these people to understand that it, you're dealing with people. Yeah. Like the end of the day, like, yeah, you're moving a product in some way or another, but at the end of the day, the relationships you build is how it continues. Treat a person like a person, work on that trust, take care of them. And, and at least in my world, it's make them feel special. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, okay. Hi, hypothetical here. And I want to just kind of hear about it. Ashton, are you a drinking man? Yes. What, what is your, your beverage of choice? Oh gosh. Well, you don't have to like be specific, but like, do you like, are you more of like a beer guy? Do you like spirits? Do you like cocktails? Are you like whiskey, gin, rum, tequila? Like, give me, give me something. I'm going to give myself away. So fruity cocktails. Oh, my dude. (laughs) I live in a world that makes pink drinks and I don't do glass. Shut up. Um, I turn into, um, God, what is the editor's name in Spider-Man? Jonah Hill or Jonah. Yes. Jonah something. Jonah Hill is definitely super bad. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Hold on. But um, is it JP something? Oh, J- Hold I on. thought it was Jonah something. Either way, you, you know, flat yeah. top mustache. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 No, someone's like, can I get a Dewglass? I just turned into him and Spider-Man 2. Shut up. Get out. Like, because <laughs> uh, I don't know how yes. to tell you this, but Coop glasses were modeled. Jay Jonah breasts. Jameson. There we go. Jay J- wow. We wow. Were, is he still I mean, Irish together, whiskey too? Jesus. <laughs> But okay, so you like, you know, fruity, probably a little bit sweeter drinks because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it's efficient and they taste good. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But if I, if you go, hey, I want you to make me a cocktail bartender, ma'am. And I go, cool. What do you like for flavors? And you tell me that. And I go, awesome. Just so you're aware, I want to make sure we're sitting at a price point wise because I don't want to, you know, hey, make me something. And I pour you the most expensive bottle I have here's your $35 Cosmo. That trust is gone. Yeah. Not only will you never co- probably come back. You don't just think I'm an asshole. Yeah. Cause I am like at that point you are like, yeah. The idea of building something to give someone the best experience and what they need the most out of it is the entire thing that our three kind of industries have in common. Yeah. And cause you know, I'm, you're bettering yourself, you're bettering your home, and I'm ruining your morning. Um, <laughs> True enough. So, and I've had those conversations before where a customer will call and say, hey, I want this Ferrari model piece of equipment. I go, okay, why? Do you? And yeah. they explain, well, this is what I do. I go, okay, let's forget the Ferrari for five minutes. Yeah. Let me show you this F-150. Will it work? Yes. Is it shiny? Sure. But you don't need that. I will sell you two of those if you want, but yeah. you really only need this over here. And a yeah. lot of people that I've, especially in the real market that I'm in, they're kind of shocked by that. But, well, this other shop said I needed the Ferrari. You go, well, they're idiots because <laughs> their training yeah. consisted of a 10-minute video. I have eight, well, over 10 years of experience in this. I, and here's some reasons why. So I, I think the, the honest salesman is rare and far between. Yeah. And, and there's a difference between, and I'm having to walk this line right now. So what I used to do, and here, here's where we can get into, you know, price versus value and brand behind that, because um, people on this might be hearing this podcast and thinking, oh, you're just recommending the cheapest thing for somebody that, um, you know, works for them. And yeah, I mean, in, in some, in a lot of cases, that's probably true. 
but you know, there's a, there's a fine line between offering something of value to somebody. This goes back to like the American plates versus a Chinese plate discussion. You can buy cheap cast iron Chinese made steel won't have the accuracy of a machine plate that's made here in the United States. So that's a value difference um, that you're prioritizing versus a, uh, you know, a cost difference. And that's for me, that's probably going to become more and more important. I'll always have from a used equipment standpoint, a, 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 a price advantage over brand new shiny stuff. But I think over time, especially as we develop our, our new line, of fitness equipment that's made in the States, I really start to have to make a push while still being honest about the value of American made equipment. And I'm still going to have, I'm, I'm thinking, having to think through how I'm going to make those comparisons because you can, you can live on Walmart prices. You can also die on Walmart prices. And I haven't quite figured out the balance. Um, I used to discount almost everything in our store. And then I realized, uh, I'm going to become something of a monster at some point to myself. So I stopped doing that. I'll, I'll run the occasional sale um, at an unpredictable rate, but um, yeah, that's, I don't know what your guys' opinion is on those differences and how you project yourself from a business standpoint, but I'm still, I'm still thinking through how I want to do that because I want freedom fitness equipment to mean something. I don't want it to just mean, Oh, you're going to the bargain bin because I don't know. You get a certain type of customer for that. Uh, and unless you're really educating the heck out of people, you may not get some of the bigger players that are really looking for good stuff. So I don't know. It's still a process. Yeah. I mean, with my, with the podcast, at least, you know, the merch is small, small amount. And like I, try to keep it cheaper than like the really big names out there just because like if i can make enough to buy a beer at the end of the day i'm pretty happy sure. if i can get a new microphone even better but i'm not it, you know i'm not sweating over it yeah but in that in that same vein i've seen you do videos where you're talking to and explaining how people can get started on their own home home gym by purchasing used equipment plates whatever the case may be in bulk and we lost justin nope and then selling the excess. Yeah. So the business side of me says, stop giving away your secrets. <laughs> Are you worried that's going to hurt your business model or add more competition to the market? It might. And they are not going to do as well as I am um, because I'm better than they are. And I, I say that with an enormous amount of pride and I don't give a fuck um, be, because I know what I've been able to, I, I know what I've done to build this business to this point. Um, and I don't mind giving away all of the secrets publicly. In fact, <clears throat> that in the fitness business, that has what made has made people so successful. A uh, great example of this is uh, John Meadows, who just passed away. So he was wide open about steroid use, uh, training techniques, and the things that made him successful, and giving you as much information as possible. Elite FTS, who he was sponsored by, is another great example of this. The amount of content on their website is uh, mind blowing, and I always, I, I will. He, they're they're becoming my go to for bench tips and deadlift tips and squat tips now, um, as I'm doing more and more powerlifting. But back in the day, that was not the case. Nobody was giving out that kind of information. They were keeping it all very close to the vest and secret. 
because they didn't want anybody else to steal their stuff and then start selling it on the open market. Well, now we have YouTube and all of that stuff is public, including how to flip and resell. I am not doing anything fancy. Um, and people may be shocked to hear that. I am doing it better than the majority of people out there because I'm serious about it. And most people are only dabbling, but I am not doing anything fancy. Um, I, I probably have more business savvy than some people, but um, the I, I, I particular I'm here to support the home gym community and garage gyms. I love that space. So if there's anything in any content that I can share, up to and including, um, like not putting myself out of business, but giving away the the things that are making us successful, so that you can be successful with building a home gym. I will do it. Uh, again, this is a tip that I've taken from Gary. He has decided to give away all of the information that his media company is doing tactically as well as strategically um, in order to not only promote themselves, but also get their customers in front of all of the audiences like uh, that they need. So Coca-Cola and Pepsi and all those guys. And he said a couple of times, he will get emails from people saying, ha, 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 I just stole one of your clients using the exact techniques that you recommended on your podcast or on your video here or there. And he goes, okay. Um, so my question to them is, what are you going to do when he dies? And second of all, um, when he stops, like when he runs out of tips or when you suddenly don't have anywhere to go. So you're protected in that way. Nobody's ever going to know the whole story, but you can certainly from a fitness standpoint and a reselling standpoint, you can piece together so much from just watching YouTube videos. And that's exactly how I've done it and figured it out. So I don't know. Um, uh, I think I'm going to, I'll continue to do that and I'm not afraid of it. Um, the market here in Charlotte is not, um, it's, I mean, it's competitive, but it's not like, uh, California is currently, um, there was a huge upswell of a bumper plate and barbell imports from China. And so now prices are really, really low. So it's super competitive in certain areas. Um, but because is we have because of the boom of you know, the CrossFit industry i know it really took off like wildfire west coast a little bit kind of here in the midwest but um it's less that and more covid so uh bumpers were big bumpers have always been big or sorry bumpers are bigger now because of crossfit but um bumpers in general were in high demand because um of covid during, during the pandemic so now people have just excess inventory um CrossFit has influenced that though. The amount of people doing barbell and resistance training is enormous. And I'm sure at some point down the road, 10 years down the road, that it'll be a different training modality. Uh, maybe it'll be strongman and strongman implements. So I've got to watch for that, but um, yeah. Yeah. That's what CrossFit, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. CrossFit's CrossFit's done a lot for the, the barbell and res the resistance training sport. And I love it. Um, but I, I don't, um, again, I, I, I say that and I sound like I, I sound arrogant, but it's, it's true. If you, if you know that you're good at something, you shouldn't be afraid to give away your little secrets on, on how you've done something, particularly to like, I'm friendly with the guy who owns Carolina fitness equipment and the guy who owns the used gym equipment store. We are direct competitors. 
And, um, you know, if they had, uh, I, I, I don't know, it, I, you don't shut down your competition like that. It's just part of networking and part of keeping good relationships. So um, while you wouldn't tell them, oh, hey, I'm sourcing this product from X, Y, or Z manufacturer, um, if they needed help with something like, oh, I've got a load coming in and, uh, you know, maybe we can work something out where you can receive it here or whatever. Uh, I don't know that I would say no. So it's a different mentality. Um, and I, I think it's, I think it resonates with people a lot more than, uh, I'm over here. I'm not going to tell you how I'm doing what I'm doing and go screw yourself. I may not give you, I am, I am not going to spoon feed you. I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to this auction site, I'm clicking on this button, but I could, and probably nobody would do it to be perfectly frank. I could, I could literally do like right now I could go on my computer. I could do a screen share and show everybody exactly where I'm getting my equipment. Uh, one person might do it because people are lazy. Um, and it's fine, but you know, uh, at least now the information is out there about how people can get those equipment, that equipment. And for me, because I buy so much stuff, unless, it, 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 because you're in the home gym community, you're limited by space. So I'm buying stuff for a warehouse. You're buying stuff for a gym, like a, a small gym. So I'm not, that for me is, is not really a concern. Uh, my competitors might be looking at my videos, but they already know where to go. So whatever. <laughs> Well, speaking of the powerlifting, when do you when did you get into that? Um, so I got into powerlifting in oh gosh, it was probably a couple of years ago. I got into it right as I got oh no 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 sorry this was probably three to five years ago. It was right as I got married. I was starting to get into do you know um, Ripito and his starting strength handbook. Uh, off the top of my head, I mean, there's, okay. a, there's only a handful of powerlifters I have really followed over the years, but okay, like I, I can appreciate the sport for what it is. But yeah. like I said, strongman, I got into that kind of on accident. <laughs> yeah, I like strongman a lot. Um, the Ripito, Mark, Mark Ripito is a old, uh, an old, <laughs> an old ornery gentleman now who real is really dogmatic about lifting, but has done a lot of good for new lifters who are looking for a good, solid starting program. So he is a big fan of fads and doing your fads. So it's five lifts or sorry, you know, three or four basic lifts, five sets of five reps. And you do that every week, three times a week. And you just progress for infinity, I guess. And that's kind of the problem is you can't progress for infinity, but he thinks you can. So um, there was a subsection of that group that broke off called Barbell Medicine, and they took the non-dogmatic, scientific and medically based progressive approach. And I say progressive, I hate that word, but uh, they, they, they evolved with the science as uh, uh, continuously um, up to present day. And they said, we're going to, we're going to take this. It's a good model, but we need to, it, it needs to become something different because you're telling everybody that this is the only way to do things. And it's really not. 
So for a beginner, uh, that's how I started was starting strength. It was a, um, I haven't got the handbook in front of me, but it's about this thick and it's about how to squat and they have anatomical references and it's built for a coach. It's really good. Um, and I read through the entire thing, uh, squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, and it taught me good form, why it's, why this form is necessary and what kind of loads it's putting on your spine, sharing what kind of considerations you should have from injury standpoint, why those may or may not be warranted. And then from there, I found out that there was this, this offshoot of starting strength and the barbell medicine guys and their scientific and, and research-based evidence, basically just evidence-based approach to lifting. And I liked that more moderated approach because I realized, um, yeah, I might not like running, but I should probably do it. Uh, things like, uh, you know, you can do more than just squat bench and deadlift and that's okay. And different types of lifts are okay. And maybe every so often you should, you can dabble in CrossFit and that's not going to kill you. Or, um, you know, you can do these, uh, different kinds of things, or maybe strength is not just strength. Maybe strength is specific to a sport. Um, maybe as a runner, you don't need to lift five times a week, stuff like that. So, um, I like their podcast. I like their content. And I've been doing that for about two to three years now since I stopped starting strength, but powerlifting for me is just a lot of fun. Um, I finally found something that I enjoyed and I was doing CrossFit for so long and I'm a skinny guy just by disposition. So I As got, you can see me and Justin don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down 41 pounds. Hey, oh, nice. <laughs> I think I found them. <laughs> you just traded. Um, so, so the, uh, oh, sorry. Um, so, so for me, uh, uh, powerlifting was, um, you know, a, a really nice cr- change up from CrossFit because CrossFit is so cardio heavy that, um, it, if you don't orient yourself towards the strength and weightlifting aspects of, of CrossFit, you'll get even leaner and you'll build muscle for sure. But like it's cardio heavy, man, it's cardio and strength. And, and I found out only uh, later after doing this for many, many years that deadlifting and deadlifting for reps is probably not a good idea. Um, and so I got away from that because there, there, there are certain things that they do that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, and I wanted something that could build muscular size. So powerlifting is, was the answer for all of that. And I love, I went to the USAPL meet here in Charlotte had a blast. Um, just took some photos and videos of that met some awesome people and, um, the community itself is pretty solid. Um, it's only, it's only or it's primary rival is, is, is strong man in my mind. I think the strong man community is rip roaring solid, just bunch of dudes lifting heavy crap, eating as much as they want and doing insane things with random stuff you find around the house. I think that's amazing. And I, I, so at some point I may end up doing strongman. I'm just, you can see how I'm built. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I, I got into it 2018 and went to Minnesota strongest man. And I'm, I'm six, three, I think, uh, weighed in three 20, three 25, something like that. But nice. I needed a bell around my neck. So people wouldn't step on me. I don't feel small often, but holy shit. <laughs> and then oh, see these, you know, yeah, like, oh, that yeah, was, that was a day. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's like, hey, cool. I just carried 400 pounds. That's pretty sweet. Look over and he's carrying 800. And it's like, oh, okay then. I'm going to oh go my back gosh. my piece of shade here and rethink my my decisions. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, there's some monsters at that event. And that's a small event. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's real in the reality of it. That's a very, I mean, granted, you get your, your big five, if you will. Like they're built different. I don't ever even want to meet them. Um, afraid they'll eat me um but no i mean being at that event with you and stuff i mean you're we're the same height i'm a little bit different build than you but was around the same weight and we're just like what the fuck like just looking at people oh yeah yeah they're they're those guys are built different i interviewed it's actually coming up uh ken mcclellan who is a master's lifter and who's actually a backup for the world's strongest man. And he's 40 plus probably getting close to 50 now, or maybe he's over 50 now. I can't remember. Um, and he's still pulling great. I mean, to be a backup for world's strongest man, you got to be ginormous. This guy's built like a truck and he's in his, he's like, he's pushing 375. So he goes, my, my goal is longevity because you don't meet many 50 plus year olds that are pushing 375 that are any sort of healthy. I'm like, you know, you don't say. So, so he's going for the long play, but um, the guys in Strawman are just built different, man. Um, and I, I respect the heck out of all you guys uh, just for how much stuff you can pull and what you can do. It's amazing. Yeah, and I, I had reservations going into it, and uh, but my coach is like, oh, you should check out Nick Best. Yeah, he was, or he is like 55, maybe 57 or something like that, mm -hmm. and just an absolute monster. I mean, top five strongest man in the world. Um, I've seen him yeah. at Worlds and at uh, uh, Ultimate Strongman down in Dubai, and it's like, holy shit. Oh, well, I guess, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, the, here's guys that started when they were 35, and now they're on the pro level it's like oh okay yeah. not that i don't care to ever be on a stage by any means but it's like oh i can do this oh yeah absolutely yeah they're and uh i interviewed um a lady actually two two young uh two moms um sabrina from blessed home on the range on instagram and um most stronger. So Michelle Mo, uh, who's in her, she's 52. Yes. And I mean, she, she's breaking records and powerlifting at her age. Um, and she's got six, like she's got visible abs. It's in, it's so when people say, Oh, I don't want to lift heavy things. I think I'll break something or I think, you know, I can't really do this, blah, 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 blah. List of excuses, the length of my arm. I'm like, look at all these people I've interviewed. Sabrina had seven kids and still got into strongman and lifted during the week with seven kids. Where's your excuse now? <laughs> but did you die? But did you die? <laughs> And, well, speaking of, you know, the, you know, I think the number one excuse is I don't have time. Well, yeah. here you are. I mean, you run your own business, you, you're married, you do a podcast and, and you're trying to, or, and you're doing powerlifting. I mean, how do you balance all that out and keep your sanity at the same yeah. time? 
So I'm not, I'm not good at this yet. Um, I, I do need to, I spend way too much time on my phone right now and I need to find a balance between interacting with family and putting my phone down and being involved with the business right now, because we're in our slow season, it's a lot easier. Uh, but when things ramp up, I mean, the, the real, what it looks like on a day-to-day basis is spending a little of time looking for new podcast guests, backing that up in a backlog as much as possible. So I don't have to spend a whole lot of time doing new episodes and looking for new, new people spending the majority of the time on the business, both the marketing side, the content side, and also the selling side. And then, um, uh, liftings are early in the morning with a buddy of mine and family time is in the evenings or during the day. If I'm back and forth in the warehouse, that's nice about being an entrepreneur is you kind of have your own flexibility and make your own hours. So I can be home where I wasn't able to be home before for lunch or in the afternoon. I can sometimes take care of the kids if my wife is out and, um, yeah, it looks really flexible. If this was crazy COVID traffic, I'd probably, either be at the warehouse constantly nine to five, or I would have hired somebody by now because our volume is so crazy and um, still have been able to spend some time with family. But yeah, I mean, that's what the week looks like. It's really not, um, if I added one or two other things on top of this, I'd probably lose my mind, but it's really not terrible right now. And so you want to start bartending. Cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I want to spend even more of my time away from <laughs> commute from from north carolina to minnesota is not that bad really. hey there you go yeah yeah just a short short hop skip and jump commute um although it is crazy to me i was uh, you know i mentioned new york uh and people come down here from like new york and new jersey i do not know how those guys are commuting that far into their job especially post-covid realizing that i can work from home and spend zero time in the car who is going back to the city who in the right mind Anyway, uh, I live well. <laughs> I feel like my life has kind of turned into brother wear out there. I am conveniently two weeks away from everything. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Go brother wear out. We should probably tell people what the podcast is. We've glossed over it, a, you know, a handful of times by now. But so it's uh, Freedom it's, Cast. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, Freedom Cast uh, is uh, dedicated to fitness icons and entrepreneurs. Who are trying to help others become active that that goal may is i've kept that fairly general so that i can interview people like uh sean baker who's a doctor who is a big fan of the carnivore diet or physical therapists and people like that it's not just fitness influencers or people who are lifting um and that's been a lot of fun um that's actually probably the the most enjoyable part of my job aside from like doing some of the marketing content stuff uh and yeah, so I, I do, I premiere it weekly at noon on Saturdays and it's every single week. I think I have missed, I have missed one week since we started. Um, and I'll probably miss, you know, a handful throughout the year, but the goal is to have 52 podcasts a year. And honestly, for that volume, there's thousands of people in the fitness business. I don't think I'm ever going to run out of people. I might run out of people locally, but nationally, no way. No way. Yeah, that was my, when starting this show, that was my big concern of running out of material, running out of guests, because originally it was just supposed to be business owners and then slowly kind of 
webbed out in different directions to the monster that I have created. <laughs> well, you you hung out with me. Is what got to happen. You're like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do business owners. Is like bullshit. You're doing artists. You're doing musicians. You're doing brewers. You're doing everything. You want to tell people's cool stories about them doing their thing their way, like uniquely, which is actually how I pitch the show when I talk to people about it. You you can't pigeonhole it into, hi, how did you start your accounting business? Yeah. Hello, <laughs> what's it like to own a hardware store? Like, no, it's not gonna work. Yeah. That's so how's it? Like you said, you got twenty some episodes out 23 mm-hmm. did you say do you feel like you've evolved as the host oh yeah for sure so there was one point i thought it w- uh, at one point at which i thought i would need to continuously carry notes around because i was losing my place mentally and not able to ask questions mid interview that was awful so you'll notice a couple of times during the early podcast well i literally have a blank pause sit there gather my thoughts panic and then ask the next question, which is usually a terrible question. <laughs> and that was me learning. You need to have your crap together. And if the conversation is not flowing, keep it, keep it light mentally. If you panic, everything shuts down. Yeah. Um, so for some guests who are high profile guests that I know I need to spend some time researching, I will write questions down and it's particularly easy if it's a virtual interview. So um, in person, you'll notice with Gabby Burgles or if you see the America's Strongest Woman. So if you see me in the chair beside her, I actually have a list of questions I have in my lap. And then I was able to branch out a couple of times and ask her some ad hoc questions based on things she was saying. But she was important. She was not, I'm not saying my guests are unimportant. She was very high profile. So I want to make sure I got that right. So I, I wrote down a few things. Um, and then over Zoom, it's very easy because I can just glance to the side and mm-hmm. and reference it. But um, yeah, starting out was uh, like with Garage Gym Lab, I had a panic attack, <laughs> not a panic attack, but like, <laughs> you know, just like, oh my gosh, I forgot something. So as an interviewer, I've gotten much better at just holding a conversation and not really being taken aback. Like I, the the less I know about somebody, to be perfectly honest, the better because I'm not wowed or in awe of their list of accomplishments. And I would rather go in with a minimal minimal information and just talk to them about their life and how they've how they got started and what they're doing today. Um, because that's a conversation I can have. Um, I very much take after Joe Rogan and his style and just free flowing conversation. And we can talk about whatever starting out with a kind of businessy side and then going from there. But, um, I I've gotten a little bit more relaxed and, uh, able to kind of keep it light mentally so that I can queue up the next question. I'm not panicking so much about thinking about, Oh, I need to, you know, have something ready. Oh my gosh. Um, and if there are those times I'll, I'll make sure that I'm prepared for it. But I found um, I found him getting better at, at just asking questions and having the conversation flow naturally. There's some really cool people, dude. And some really, I, I cannot tell you the amount of times I have talked to business owners and they have said to me, I have nothing to talk about. My favorite. What? I, I'm like, so like Scott at the used gym store, the first time I approached him, he goes, I don't really know if I'm going to have anything to say. And I go, so you built this business into a mammoth, like nationally distributed, very well-known locally, but 50,000 square foot warehouse with tons of equipment that you're grabbing from all over the United States. There's something there. So, uh, and sure enough, 
we started talking and uh, he had, I mean, he had story after story after story. The guy, the guy, do you know Juju Mufu? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Juju just walked into the store, absolutely <laughs> loves the place and now regularly mentions them in videos. I'm like, so where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> so all these business owners that think they're so boring and have nothing to talk about, I find are the most fascinating people. And when you have a natural free flowing conversation that isn't so structured, that's why I like to keep as few notes as possible. I find those kind of stories just come to the top and it's awesome. So yeah, I mean, things have changed for sure, but I, I love, I love the informality of the podcast and I, I don't want to lose that because the stru- structure kills me, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the notes have become kind of my safety blanket. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not as bad as it used to be in the beginning, especially. Uh, and I'd be going down to the studio and it would be, you know, at, at the time it was only a 15 minute drive. Now it's a two hour drive. Oh God. But I would crawl into my own head and I would just be a, an absolute nervous wreck until once the mics get rolling, we start talking, then it's fine. But God, I hate that feeling. I'd say the worst was when Justin, you, I, and Ben sat down with Sean for the first time at the Ice House. Oh, that's why I'm room. present. Because you can't <laughs> shut you can't shut me up. And when I start to hit those awkward silences, I'm like, "So, tell me about your dog." Like, yeah, no, you were you were nervous in that, but also got the absolute most disrespectful photo of me from Ben from that. <laughs> I'm literally like looking at, I'm taking photos because I'm not interviewing, taking photos during it and having them sent directly to my phone. And I'm looking at my phone to make sure that everything's looking good for what I'm doing. And our other guy snapped a photo. So it looks like I'm sitting in this interview with a person I respect the shit of just like. (laughs) (laughs) And naturally that's Gordon's cover photo on everything is the only photo of the three of us in frame. And I'm forever like, God damn it. amazing oh my yeah no God. you you go to his website that's the, literally the photo of is me looking at my phone that's looking like hilarious. an asshole that's I'm, hilarious that's like one of the few good photos i have <laughs> the best photo that's <laughs> because uh, i'm not the one that took it <laughs> oh boy that's awesome how much prep work do you do for an episode like between finding guests you know scheduling them course, yeah. and then you know what kind of prep are you doing uh finding guests is a few seconds shooting a message over. Um, sometimes if I put some thought into it, I try to connect beforehand and interact with them a little bit on social. Uh, the actual prep work for the episode is as simple as setting up a Zoom invite in a week or so in advance to make sure that they have that on their calendars. And then uh, I will look through their profile just to make sure I'm not totally missing something or insulting them by not knowing who they are uh, or not knowing something about them that I should know, I should say. Um, I know who they are when I, I talk to them, but, um, and then from there it's, 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 that's it because I want them to be able to talk about whatever they want to talk about. And I want to be able to ask them whatever I want to ask them about without having this pre disposition to be like, Oh, I already know that about you. We'll skip that question. Cause our audience doesn't know all these people either. Um, with fitness influencers, it's a little bit easier. So, for example, we're going to be interviewing tomorrow. We're going to be interviewing. Um, uh, she's Beef Cape Brina on Instagram. Sabrina McMullen on in. Uh, sorry, Sabrina McMullen on Instagram. Beef Cape Brina on TikTok, and she's a bodybuilder female who I think is on the younger side. And uh, uh, 
you know, I don't, I don't know that she has a great following in TikTok, but I don't know that she's widely as widely recognized as some other folks. And I think that's great because, you know, I could ask her anything about her background and away we go. Um, with some of these other guys, I have to be careful because like Sean Baker has been interviewed on the Joe Rogan podcast twice. And I, I believe twice. Uh, and uh, I do not want to repeat a lot of the questions that Joe was asking him um, because it's a very prominent podcast that a lot of people probably heard. Uh, same Don't thing. take DMT beforehand. You'll be fine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. Holy. <laughs> Should have asked him that just to, just to get a kick out of him. Um, the, uh, other, other people I don't like, I, I may not spend that much time on, but the high profile ones, um, I try not to be mundane. And uh, so, like I said, in terms of prepping, like I'll, I'll, that's when I'll have those questions prepped off to the side. And that might to add, that might take me, uh, you know, a few hours, but I'm, I'm pretty busy with a business and family and lifting and that kind of thing. So um, I don't have, if I was just doing the podcast, that'd be awesome, but I don't have a week to, to prep for things. So it's usually between a few minutes and maybe a couple of hours for somebody who's super well-known um, to prep for those. And honestly, that has worked out pretty well. Um, I probably could do a little bit more work uh, for some guests, but I think as we grow as a podcast, I'm sure you know, like we'll have the convenient excuse that we're really big. We just want to know about you and we don't need to you know, do as much research. I'm sure other, other people, a uh, great example of this is, uh, do you guys watch hot ones with Sean? I've seen a couple. Yeah. I know the so name. But. He basically runs celebrities through a gauntlet of hot wings and asks them progressively more hilarious questions. And, um, his amount of the amount of research that he spent time on in each guest is incredible. He's known for that. And he's known for digging deep into their profiles and asking them very pointed questions about things that are very obscure in some cases that they didn't even know anybody knew about them. I'm not doing that. Um, I just, I don't have time. And uh, most people to be perfectly frank, don't care all that much. If at some point I do get to that point, I may end up hiring a third party researcher, but um, I don't know. It just, I, I don't think anybody in the fitness community really expects anybody to do a whole heck of a lot of research before, unless we're discussing like some huge technical topic, like conjugate training. Yeah. Then I need to do a ton of research before that. Cause I have no idea what the heck I'm talking about. So that's how I view it. So I'm just curious, how did you get started? Because I get asked this question a lot and I go, yeah. well, you go to a brewery and you find somebody with a podcast, you buy them a few beers and then boom, you have a podcast a few months later. It doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, this is another Gary thing. You know, I mentioned his name a lot, but he just, he's influenced me to do a lot of stuff. He's like, do podcasts. I'm like, okay, I'll do a podcast. So I started doing a podcast. I had to figure out what it was. And I, you can see some of the early videos. I'm messing around with different layouts and stuff. And I'm still kind of tweaking that. But it was another marketing tool for Freedom Fitness Equipment. <clears throat> if I can put that as a, as a beginning 
and end cap to the episode, people will always remember that Freedom Fitness Equipment sponsors this and that's where you can find, you know, good stuff. So it was, it was an additional marketing tool. Um, but I got started because Gary recommended it on a video that I watched somewhere. I'm sure he's recommended it a thousand times to people and people just don't listen, but, um, and so I did, I was just like, Oh, well, how, what would it take? And then I talked to my brother-in-law who was thinking about starting his own at the time. And he had a little, uh, like red, I don't know if I have, I don't have it here. It's like a red mic setup that you can plug two mics into. So I had to figure out that piece. Um, and then I realized, oh, well, I can do a lot more of these if I do Zoom. So I started reaching out to people in different locations. Um, and yeah, I just kept it super simple um, and, and, and went from there. So I said, what can I do with a minimal amount of research, a minimal amount of time that will have the most maximum impact? And, you know, sure enough, I got some really high profile guests. I went to physically to an event and I kind of used that uh, to mention, like I'll, I'll use that as a pitch line occasionally to other people that I'm trying to get on the podcast. I don't know if you do the same thing, but you know, I'll mention I've, I've interviewed America's strongest woman or, or Brian Dobson or, or those guys. Um, so that people know that we're not just, you know, another podcast that's kind of out of the ether. Um, but it was, it was very, uh, I don't know, very organically driven. I didn't really have any idea how I would get guests to begin with and what kind of setup I would be looking at. I just knew it needed to be simple. It needed to be efficient. And I needed to find out ways to produce it on a weekly. I figured weekly basis would probably be good enough to keep people's interest. So Yeah. I, I, I used my connection. I used to work at a brewery and after, Oh, hey, have this free beer. By the way, uh, this Sunday, are you able to come on a podcast? Like, what? Why, why am I going on a podcast? It's not important. You just show <laughs> up here at this time. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you may have gathered by now, but I love to talk. So that was a great outlet. Um, and, and the first episode is just me. I could literally prop. I, again, sound like an a-hole, but. I could probably sit down every single podcast and just talk and talk and talk about something. I could probably find something to talk about. And that's fun for me. Like I love, but I like hearing people's stories. So again, going back to like, are you having fun with the business or are you just grinding? I mean, I like having fun. So that's an outlet for me is the podcast. And I know like the guys over at Massonomics, um, especially when they were first starting out, they didn't have a whole lot of guests. So occasionally like they'll just go back to the two of them talking or doing Q and a, and I'm sure at some point I'll probably end up doing that, but it, it won't be, I don't think it'll be for lack of guests. Um, and, and for me, because I like talking to people so much and I also just like talking in general, I, it's a, it's a great outlet for that. So it's my weekly dose of extroverted Ashton. So. <laughs> so when you, when you're getting started, did you plan on sticking with the fitness theme, if you will, because you already have, you know, freedom fitness equipment, do you, like, Hey, I want to do a podcast around it to help promote the business. Or did you have other ideas like, Hey, I want to, I know you mentioned you're into board games. Like I want to mm-hmm. do a board game podcast or something like that. Yeah. It's a great question. So when I was first Uh, coming up with the content strategy for freedom fitness as a brand. Um, I was talking with a buddy of mine who's in digital marketing, who's been hugely instrumental in helping me direct and shape the content marketing side for the business. 
and uh, shout out to meal prep on fleek, by the way, on Instagram. Um, so he is, he encouraged me to create these pillars of content around the business. So fitness, home gyms, nutrition, um, and a couple of different, a couple of other ones. And from there build out a piece of content that would answer questions related to those topics because you want to stay close to the core, which is fitness equipment and the business so that it's not so all over the place. If you look at some of my early videos on TikTok, I'm talking about Bitcoin and that was not the right move. And that's fine to talk about once you're an established brand, but if people don't know who you are starting out, it's going to really confuse not only them, but the algorithm that's trying to determine who you are and where your niche fits. So the podcast was started later once I had started to have more direction. And I asked him about that, like where, uh, you know, where should the content be going? He said, stay in the fitness and health space. So that's where the pot, that's why I decided we need to go with that for the podcast as well. So we can continue to be consistent at some point. And again, this was his recommendation. You can start to branch out into different topics, but it's only once your audience knows you and knows what you're about. So at some point I may be able to interview somebody like a Gary Vaynerchuk who's in a completely different space, just on social media, generally speaking, and in marketing. But that'll be because I've established a brand and a reputation of interviewing high profile people or entrepreneurs. And it won't be because this is just specifically about health and fitness. So um, my goal was to just spread the word and um, stay in my space because that was more appropriate to um, publicity. And it does drive, it just naturally makes sense for what we do to continue to drive sales and content. And I, I, every little bit for a small business really helps. So that's why I decided to stay in that lane. And last couple of questions for you. Uh, If there's somebody out there listening and they're looking, they want to start their own business, whether it's a fitness industry, otherwise, or even in this case, start their own podcast. I mean, what advice would you offer up for them? Oh man. Um, so on the, I've told people this before on the business side. Um, if, if you have a dream, Oh, Mark Bell was really saying something interesting on, on, on a video recently. If you have a dream, it's hard. It's hard to get started, but it's worth it. Not every dream is realistic. Not every dream is achievable. If you want to be a trillionaire by year two, probably not going to happen. But if you have a dream and you can create realistic, achievable steps to get to that goal, go for it. Uh, I was locked into the nine to five grind for eight years and I should have quit three to four years in. And I know that sounds really early to some people, but if I had been, if this business had been around back then, leading up to COVID, I would have actually had the capital to invest a crap ton of money into inventory. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been struggling with so much, you know, where do I find all this stuff starting out? So uh, that's what, that's what my encouragement would be to anybody who's got a big dream in mind and wants to start their own business, but doesn't really know how is create some achievable steps to get there. And you can always do it off to the side, especially if you have your main job, 
um, and do it and, t- and test it and test multiple things, like sample different things. Another Gary thing, like sa- sample a bunch of different uh, uh, types of businesses. I tried electronic flips and reselling. I tried um, selling D&D dice outsourced from China. That was a six-month fail. Um, I tried all sorts of side hustles. When I was in college, I was a lifeguard. I started selling, uh, buying back books for cash, um, all sorts of stuff and eventually settled on this, but it took me a bunch of fails or minor fails to make that happen. So if you, if you have a nine to five grind that you absolutely hate and you want to start a business, start it, experiment. And once you find something that hits, go for it. And if it takes off, quit your job, but don't, don't, my recommendation would be against taking a massive leap, completely quitting and starting something you have no idea, has no proof points and and no, you haven't experimented with at all. If this is your first time getting into any sort of entrepreneurial endeavor at all, including just selling candy on the side of the street, you need to sell candy on the side of the street first, just to see how it feels. Um, and then on the, uh, on the podcast side, that's super easy. Podcasts are are, pro, are proliferating like you wouldn't believe. So um, it's you grab a mic, uh, or you don't even need a mic. You just the built-in microphone on your laptop. Um, cold call or talk to anybody locally, depending on the t- like establish your topic and then uh, see if you can find some stuff locally. People locally love talking about themselves. Love promoting their businesses and their things. And then as you gain more followers, um, start going after the bigger names or try to get a big name up front and get yourself kickstarted and, and go for it. The thing that a lot of people don't do is go for it. They are scared of approaching somebody like Gabby or somebody like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Adam from garage and lab because, Oh my gosh, they wouldn't even talk to me. I'm such a tiny little guy, but they will. And they're a lot nicer than you think. And a lot of these guys respond very well because maybe nobody's asked them before. Uh, Sean Donaldson from Morning Lifter um, interviewed Mark Bell, who's gigantic in the lifting industry. And he just asked him, I mean, he lit, that was literally, he goes, I, I know this is going to surprise a lot of people and let a lot of people down, but I literally just asked him. And he said, yeah, Mark's the nicest guy in the world. If he hadn't said anything, he probably would have never had him on the podcast. So shoot, again, this goes back to my shoot your shop mentality about podcasts. But if you want to start a podcast, you can do it while you're working a nine to five. You've, you and you are proof positive that that can work. So just go for it. Shoot your shot. Put out a hundred blasts. Don't be annoying. Don't piss people off. But, um, you know, it's, it's really not that hard. And especially if you're calling from the local uh, uh, community. I mean, tons and tons of people are going to be willing to talk to you. Well, awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show, man. Really yeah. appreciate it. Most importantly, yeah. where can folks find you on the social media and on the web? And of course, find the podcast. Sure. So um, Freedom Cast uh, by Freedom Fitness Equipment is anywhere you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, freedomfitnessequipment.com is where you can find our website. We ship, uh, fitness used and new fitness equipment nationally. And you can also do, uh, pick up locally for free. Um, if you want to find us on social, we're at, uh, Instagram freedom, fitness equipment one. I had an issue with them banning me. So for reasons that I will not get into here, but we're 
not warranted. Um, and so we had to create that separate account with the one at the end. Anywhere else, any other social site is Freedom Fitness Equipment. So TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, you can find us there. Um, and yeah, by the way, this has been freaking awesome. And if you <laughs> ever want to have me back as a guest, I am more than yeah, happy absolutely. to come back on. So uh, you guys are doing, this, this was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And yeah. thank you everyone for joining on the live stream. Otherwise we will catch you next time. Sounds good. See you guys. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune in this week and each and every week. Whether you're on an audio-only platform or you're checking out the YouTube channel, keep up to date with future guests, live recordings, and new episodes by following the show on Facebook and Instagram, both at Rules of the Arena Podcast. And many of you have asked me, how can you help out? If you'd be so kind, head over to Apple Podcasts, Audible, or Facebook, wherever you're listening, and drop a review and make sure to leave a comment on there. And let me know what you think of the show. I enjoy reading the comments from people. And if you like the show, tell people about it. If you think they might want to listen in, go ahead and share it on Instagram and Facebook. It really helps me out. And now I do finally, I can say I finally have the website up and running. If you head over to rulesoftherenapodcast.com, I have updates on episodes and guests, and we have a link to some companies that support me. More importantly, though, I do finally have the store back up and running where you can check out the new shirts. Uh, I got T-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, um, phone cases, laptop cases, all sorts of cool stuff on there. Let me know what you think of that stuff. And coming out in October, I do have a limited release run of a new design brought together by Cohen Hamelswing, uh, if you might remember him from episode 49 from The Land Down Under, and J.E. Collins Photography, uh, Justin's company. And we put something a little together, like I said, October 1, that should be coming up. Uh, we're just batting down the hatches on our end. Last but not least, if you go check out my other show called No Story Left Behind, you can follow NSLB on Facebook and Instagram at No Story Left Behind Podcast. And all episodes are released on its own feed, wherever you find your, your favorite podcast. And I also have the episodes on YouTube as well. It's under the ROA channel, so but just go down and you click on the NSLB playlist. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or show ideas, or would like to be a guest to, uh, on the show, shoot me an email, Gordon at Blind Ninja Studios, or again, head over to rulesofarenapodcast.com and click the Contact Us button, and that will land in my inbox. Thank you again, everyone, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>